welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast, where we discuss an eclectic range of topics, including business, design, Texas culture, and everything in between. We're two teachers that turned a side hustle into a nationally known apparel brand, and now we work with some of the biggest names in Texas. We strive to never stop exploring and continue to draw inspiration from our adventures. So drift and explore or raise a glass. We're always ready to hang out and talk about the things that we love. So come roll with us as we drift and explore. All right. Good morning, Brian. Hey, how are you today? Great. Um, Another episode of the Tumbleweed Podcast. Here we are. No doubt. What were you doing about 15 minutes ago? I was... uh... Drawing color wheels with my students. <laughs> Very cool. So, Very cool. Uh, so yeah. So now we're doing something a little different. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Texas. Hey, it's our favorite subject. Um, yeah. So I kind of wanted to get in today. We want to do kind of a special Texas Independence Day episode and kind of talk a little bit about history of Texas, kind of some things that we like about Texas. It's going to be like an all-encompassing Texas episode. Uh, we would talk about you know, a lot of different things that make up kind of why we started our brand and things like that. So I guess we'll just kind of start it with that. So when we started our brand uh, in 2011, I guess one thing that we we really were looking and one of the problems we were trying to solve, you know, a lot of times when you start a small business, everybody's like, well, you got to earn entrepreneur, you know, you got to find a problem and then try to figure out a solution for that. And I think yeah. early on, one of our, what we considered a problem was there just wasn't any cool like Texas... Nope gear out there that nope. was actually something that we would want to wear uh that was comfortable whether it would be the design or actually right. the garment that it was on so um maybe talk a little bit about that and kind yeah. of why we got into that niche and we felt that that was well you know as as uh, all of you have probably heard our other episodes or heard or read our story uh you know i saw jeb sketching and i thought it was a beautiful image that needed to be used in some capacity you know and uh from there that's where that discussion came is where do we put a Texas design. And I think you and I both kind of went to the mall, different stores, kind of started looking at what's the problem that we could resolve with your art. And it was very evident that those t-shirts that we saw at the mall and different places were uh, super conservative or super edgy, not edgy, but super uh, aggressive of don't mess with Texas or you know, horrible print, not a whole lot of vintage and cool. Lots so of guns and stuff, probably. <laughs> probably a lot of guns and, you know, flags and cannons, no doubt. And it, it was stuff that you would probably find at a Western store and not necessarily right. at a cool hip spot like in Marfa. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that we, we, we wanted to really um, dig into and, and really find a spot for we, the Texas pride thing is, is, is basically why we started the company. Yeah. You know, if we want to just, even back it up and not even talk about designs in general is just Texas pride in general, just yeah. like how proud Texans are and and they're, they want to wear stuff with Texas on it. And so yeah. I think us kind of filling that, that hole of, um, you know, trying to create designs that, that actually fit true Texans and fit the culture of Texas. I think yeah. at the time was a little bit unique. I, mean, For sure. I think we kind of jumped on that, on that, on that trend pretty early. And as you, as you notice, and as we've both noticed yeah. over the years, there's been a lot of companies that have come in and try to emulate some of the things that we've done. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty proud to say that we were definitely one of the first in that market or in I that niche so. early on before yeah. this trend really got hot. Well, I, I believe so. You know, Chet Garner, uh, who I think's kind of a, 
one of the gurus of all things Texas, you know, him in a, a group, I believe with uh, Texas Highways, uh, did a vote um, of ranking some of the most iconic or notable artists throughout Texas. And I don't know if you remember, but you were one of those, your desi- Texas Towns design was thrown out there as one of the most iconic or uh, best art designs of Texas. And I think when we started talking about not just designs, but launching shirts, one of the things we wanted to do was create something that my my parents would wear, our high school students might wear, our kids might wear, but something that you could wear specifically to go to a concert, go hiking, go traveling. It'd be something that you people would be proud of to live out the, the things of Texas, the lifestyle, the culture, the music, the food, the barbecue. And so I think you've nailed it. And your art, and then of course our team now has followed your lead, art, um, has really encompassed the true pride and culture of Texas. Uh, and so that's what we're here. And while we're celebrating the wonderful, amazing day of Texas Independence Day. And so for those of you that might not know, can you share with them um, what exactly is Texas Independence Day and why is it even a big deal? Well, another little nugget of information about me is that I used to teach Texas history. So yeah. I did teach Texas history um, for six years at Clark Middle School here in Frisco. It was awesome. I loved every minute of it because I was a big fan of Texas history when I was a kid. Right. You know, if you're a Texan and you grew up in Texas like both of us did, um, fourth grade, you take a little Texas history. And then in seventh grade, you have an entire year class that is Texas history. And when I tell people that, they are blown away. They're like, you know, wait, y'all have an entire year dedicated to your state's history. Yeah. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. We're Texas, man. Well, on, not man. only that, but do you remember standing up? You, you say the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, yeah. But what else would you say to the uh, the Texas flag as well? The Texas flags. We always, and we still say it at school. It's it's a state law. So you say the, 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 you remember it? The flag. Of course I remember it. I say it every day. What, what is it? It is honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to the Texas, one state <laughs> under God. One and indivisible. All right. I'm not going to lie. I've been out of the classroom for a few years, so it's it's not engraved in my mind anymore. It's, but but it's yeah. It's not something that we always had. When I was growing up, I'm a little older than you, but we never had to say it in school, but they, they made it a state law recently. But getting back to your point <laughs> about what Texas Independence Day is, and that ties in kind of with the history part of it, but Texas Independence Day, was, it's celebrated on March the 2nd. Um, it's actually March the 2nd, 1836. Yeah. Um, I think there were like 59 delegates they gathered um, at Washington on the Brazos in a small little, um, like little wood, you know, log cabin type of thing, and they they declared independence from Mexico at right. the time. And of course, yeah. this was during this March second. So if you know your timeline, March sixth was when the Alamo, the Battle of the Alamo, happened. So it was four days before the Battle of the Alamo. Um, of course, the Texans that were inside there, the 186, 188 Texans that were inside the walls of the Alamo. Uh, were surrounded by, you know, thousands and thousands of Mexicans led by Santa Ana at the time in San Antonio. So they actually, we declared independence from Mexico four days before the Alamo. So we had a whole group of delegates, you know, that were further to the east that did that. Um, It ended up, you know, we can get into all the other history (laughs) stuff too, but I mean, it basically boiled down to Mexico was trying to, after Santa Ana was elected, he was trying to basically take back a lot of the the land and yeah. stuff up in Texas because Texas at the time uh, was was part of Mexico. And so there were settlers coming in from the United States. 
Um, and they were starting to kind of make it their mm -hmm. own. Their culture was a little bit different than the Mexican culture. They were really far away from Mexico City, so there wasn't a lot of there was a lot of disconnect there. And so Santa Ana was kind of wanting to take back some of that land. The Texans were like, "Hey, we kind of want to, we kind of like it here. We want to yeah. kind of keep it the way we are. We don't really respect some of the Mexican laws and things like that." And so that's kind of where the the beef started. And as Santa Ana started moving north and stuff, that's kind of when it got uh, into a full on yeah. war. But we declared independence on the second. So that's why we celebrate uh, Texas Independence Day uh, on the 2nd of March. Obviously, the, the Battle of Alamo didn't go so well. Right. Yeah, Texans were slaughtered there. Um, then there was the Battle of Goliad, which was a complete massacre. But then as the uh, Mexican army started heading to the east, uh, Sam Houston and his army uh, yeah. kind of gathered everybody together and ended up winning uh, the Battle of San Jacinto in, in 18 minutes wow. um, in the middle of the afternoon on, uh, I guess that is... August, no, excuse me, April 21st, 1836. So yeah, that was a done deal there. And then Texas declared their independence and they had already done that. And so they became the Republic of Texas. There you go. Yeah. And that's when we made those really cool shirts, you know, the 1836 yeah. shirts. It's one of my favorite designs that we did. Well, what, one of my favorite things uh, that people don't really recognize or understand is our cannons and how our logo ever really came to be and being the twin sisters. Mm -hmm. uh, two of my... Uh, I guess historical things that I love is one, the yellow rose. And then of course the, the come and take it, the, the twin cannons, twin sisters. So, uh, I don't remember Bertha and no, what's the names? The twin sisters, I believe were cannons that were used at the Alamo. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. And then there was a different cannon that was, um, at the battle of Gonzales. And that was back in October of 1835. That was another thing like Santa Ana wanted to go and collect all these cannons that he knew that were out there yeah. and he didn't want them used against him. So he was going to have the army come and, and get those. And that's kind of when the Texans were like, no, they buried it in a peach, peach orchard. And they were like, made a flag and said, yeah, come and take it. And yeah. they pulled it out and fired it off at them and stuff. Dude, and it would have been, it would have been awesome to be a suit in your class. I mean, I, I remember, uh, in my Texas history class, I, I think it was Texas history, um, doing a map with, was it clay? Like doing the different regions. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a project that I remember. Uh, do you have, do you, your memories back in New Braunfels area, it was, or where, where did you grow up uh, well, during that I time? Texas history, I was in Lufkin. Lufkin. Okay. So that's where I was in seventh grade. That was over in East Texas. And yeah, my Texas history, history experience was, it's actually kind of funny looking back on it now. It's like my, my Texas history teacher. I mean, he looked like James Brown. <laughs> he had like the Jerry curl going and he had like these really bright rimmed glasses. He was a very eccentric guy, but he knew his stuff. And so we learned about all the Indians, all the regions cool. and stuff. And then. He left at mid-year. I don't know what happened. Oh, so there was some kind of controversy. He ended up leaving. And then my well, second semester actually ended up, uh, we got this coach, and he was a former uh, Texas Tech football player, like okay. a, a legend there. His name was E. Comet Burley. He was a coach at the high school, but he was yeah. teaching Texas history, so I finished up with him. So wow. E. Comet Burley, was, he's a legend at Texas Tech as far as one of the best players to ever come through there. But he was my Texas history okay. teacher my second semester. Fell in love with Texas you know, history. Of course, we were doing maps. I loved uh, Native American yeah. type stuff. And so it was right down my alley. That's cool. Well, that, awesome. You know, it's my memory uh, is probably not as historical as that, but it was uh, from North Crowley. So south of Fort Worth, we hopped to do a bus and our field trip was to the Dr. Pepper Museum. Oh, that's cool. And uh, I, I want to say it was the Ranger uh, Museum. So basically we went to Waco. Yeah. But that was when it was eye opening to me that the history behind Texas uh, outside of the book, actually physically going and learning about the history and uh, the Dr. Pepper was obviously a small part of that. But um, what field trips did y'all take growing up? Well, you know, I moved around a lot. So 
started out my school was in San Antonio. So okay, I went to yeah. kindergarten, first grade in San Antonio. My dad was from San Antonio. So we were just basically surrounded by, you know, we could go down the missions anytime we wanted to. The Alamo was like just right there. So I knew about all the history of all that kind of stuff early on, or at least I knew about those buildings. And, and of course in San Antonio, that's all you see on TV. Like it's there, there, it's more celebratory down, I think in South Texas, because that's where a lot of those historical spots were. But we used to go like the butter crust, crust factory. Okay. I think I may have missed out on the, uh, the Alamo trips right. because I think those, maybe they took them when we were a little bit older and we'd yeah. already left by then. Um, but just, you know, kind of some really cool. Another cool thing we used to do, I, I think when I was a little, we, we would go to the Buckhorn Saloon, uh-huh. which is actually in the old Lone Star Brewery. Oh, wow. And so you could go there and like, it was like this Buckhorn Saloon. It was just basically known for like having all these like exotic um, yeah. animals, you know, that were stuffed and stuff, mounts and stuff, like hundreds and hundreds of them and stuff. Yeah. And then you could like, you get like a little wooden nickel thing and you trade it in for like a, a root beer and your parents could like trade it in for like a Lone Star or something. So. That's cool. It was cool. So we always went down there and that was a real historical spot as well. I remember the first time I went to the Alamo, you know, you read about it, there's movies about it and it's, and we were on a student council trip. Uh, I think we stayed at uh, Trinity Mm -hmm. college and then the Alamo was a big deal. And I just remember walking up to him like, really, that's all, that's all it is. But then you, you go in and you actually experience the, the, the courtyard and you see, uh, you know, pieces of, you know, different history p- spots on the the right. wall and the building. And it's just amazing that history and that story and seeing that the Alamo right there, and just knowing what happened, you know, many years ago with oh, that. Yeah, it's incredible. And a lot of people, they don't realize they look at the Alamo, the part that's left is just like the, the chapel part. Right. But I mean, there was a huge, you know, compound around it. The walls, you know, stretch way out. So yeah. like the, they were all inside those walls. It was just pretty crazy so what is it about texas so obviously tumbleweed textiles were all about texas you you know you're as texan as anyone i know uh you have so many incredible stories that we've been able to tell through our history of our company um but at the end of the day what is it that you love most that drives your pride for texas wow and I, i think it does some of it does stem back to and i think this is the case for a lot of people it stems back to the those revolutionary days it's like it's so cool that at one point Texas was its own country. Yeah. So we kind of have this like little chip on our shoulder. Like, yeah, I mean, Hey, we were our own country at one point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. When you think about it and like, you know, we could, we could get along by ourselves for a while. So that, that part of it I thought was, it's really cool. And I think that gives a lot of people kind of pride. Another thing I think that gives a lot of people pride is just the size. Of for Texas, sure. You know? Yeah. So like we're bigger than everybody except for Alaska and, Alaska is way up there, so no one's really ever been up there before. And the UFOs are. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> apparently they are. So the size of Texas, and I think another thing is just the different the regions in Texas. You know, you can there's so many different parts of Texas. You can be in the mountains, right? You can be up in the Panhandle, um, in, in the South Plains and things, and it's flat as a board. And there's a lot of agriculture and farming there. And then we got the second largest canyon, yeah, uh, in the country next to the Grand Canyon, which is Paladero Canyon. Right. And we've got coastline. You know, we've got probably more coastline than than most, you know, yeah. coastline is huge. And then we've got East Texas. So we've got the piney woods. We've got kind of some hill country areas. We've got flowing rivers and stuff, South Texas. So we've got every little Everything. bit of reach. So I think people are really proud about uh, those those things oh, in particular. For sure. And then of course, when you have those many different regions and stuff, you're going to have different types of food uh, influences. I think the, you know, the, the food is a, is a big deal when you think about East Texas is so close to Louisiana. So you get that yeah. Cajun flair. Yeah. Okay. Well, down in San, San Antonio and South Texas, you're close to Mexico. And so you still have that Mexican 
flair of yeah. food. And so, and then you get up in the panhandle and stuff and it's all about cattle and beef and like the cowboy right. way of life. And so there's all these different regions of different food and different ways you can cook things. Yeah. I think that makes people. Well, I, I think that to me about the thing that's so special about Texas, the pride is the people and you, oh, well, no you know, and you mentioned you go down South Texas, there's the influence of Mexico. Um, you go to other parts or might be even influence uh, the Gulf area, you know, the being on the beach and, um, but going to Texas tech, one of the influences that I think is underrated is the influence from New Mexico, right. uh, green chili and different things like that with the art and different, uh, native American Indian okay. patterns. Um, the Buffalo Pal, you know, Paladero Canyon, mm-hmm. um, that was actually Hillary and I's one of our first dates was rolling out to Paladero and, and hiking that, which That's was cool. incredible. Um, but with all that travel, you mentioned that. What's one of your most, I guess, memorable or favorite drives uh, that you uh, and your family uh, love to go on? We, well, let's see. I have a lot of favorite drives throughout Texas. I think some of the the prettiest drives that I've ever done are are usually out further west. Right. Oh, yeah. Obviously, when you get out towards, now the drive out there isn't always that great. So if you're (laughs) coming from Dallas and you're trying to go to Big Bend or something, it's, once you get past you know, Cisco or Ranger, it gets pretty flat. And then you get out there and it's just like, where am I? And you get through middle of Odessa and you're like, holy cow. Yeah. But once you start getting and seeing those, those mountains and stuff, but once you kind of get down into the big bend region, I'll tell you what's really pretty is down there by, um, like the Davis mountains. Oh, hundred percent. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh, down there. And then of course, if you get down near, near Presidio and start driving around the, uh, the Rio Grande down there by yeah. um, Big Bend Ranch State Park. It's so beautiful. And then, of course, when you get into Big Bend, it's it's gorgeous there. But, uh, yeah, I think that part is, is you know, that's that probably goes without saying. I think some other really pretty places in Texas, the driver would be like Lost Maples State Park. Yeah. It's kind of south of, or I guess to the southwest kind of, or, or west of uh, San Antonio, kind of south of, of Kerrville down there by Lakey. And you got the the Frio river and that whole area. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. And it's, there's so many little small towns down there that it's not over yeah. saturated with folks yet. Definitely for me, and it's actually through a tumbleweed experience was when we went to the first Viva big Ben, uh, music fest out in oh, yeah. Marfa and Alpine. Uh-huh. And it, you said, it, it's like going through hell. I mean, you're going through Midland and you're going out in 20, 80, you know, however you get out there. And then out of nowhere, it just, it's like an aura. It's a movie set really is. It's the prettiest blue sky clouds. Uh, and then you just, just going down straight down that road. And I was mesmerized about the beauty, you know, heading out to the far, you know, West Texas, mm-hmm. um, go Santa Elena Canyon, that area. It's just so quiet, Yeah, you know, and everything you just kind of are able to, all your senses are kind of awakening and you're able to just kind of take it all in. No doubt. The nature, just the skies, just the, the sunsets are yeah. beautiful because there's nothing down there blocking them. For sure. And I, and I know people love the mountains of Colorado. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the beaches of Florida are obviously amazing. But there's something, maybe it's because I went to Tech, but there's something to me about West Texas uh, as you're heading towards New Mexico to head even drive up to Colorado. I love just the... The mesas and the, you know, right. not the full mountains, the, um, I don't know. I just love that until you see all the turbines that have ruined that, that image, but. Oh yeah. The wind, the windmills, wind, uh, windmills. Yeah. Yeah. The area. Yeah. On the way to Lubbock, you know, like around, like, I guess it's Dickens and before you get up on the Cap Rock, mm-hmm. that whole area by where yeah. Cap Rock Canyon 
um, State Park and yeah. stuff is, yeah. you know, a little bit further to the west of that or east of that. It's just, it's really pretty too, the red dirt and stuff. So yeah, there is a, and then of course you get over in East Texas, it's a whole different. Yeah, for you sure. Know, you can't even see what's coming up. You can't see the exits because <laughs> the trees are so tall. It's right. just a whole different. Well, I feel like that's actually a hard drive too, going from Dallas to to Louisiana because it's just the trees in the road for a while. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing over and over, but I love trees. So it is, it's a beautiful area. And th just this last weekend, you know, I traveled, uh, go visit a lot of our wholesalers and I didn't realize how beautiful dripping, the, the outskirts of dripping springs, all the winding roads and the hills yeah. up and down mm -hmm. on the edge of the hill country. Um, obviously going into Fredericksburg is right. just gorgeous as well. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. And of course, I, I ended up kind of going to school down there in New Braunfels through high school. So my folks are still out in that area. But that whole hill country area, you know, yeah. Kerrville, Fredericksburg, Bernie, and then everything kind of in between all those little winding roads. Yeah, anything to the west of Austin is just, yeah. you get out kind of off the main beaten paths and it's really pretty for sure. These are, you know, we, we mentioned a few things, but uh, Viva Big Ben Music Fest. Of course, Austin City Limits, South by Southwest, the amazing Troubadour Fest by our, by our friends there, the Texas music culture, how that has impacted not just Texas, but the United States. You know, it's just to me, we've mentioned food and we've mentioned uh, geographics and locations and the beauty of the road uh, of traveling. But what is amazing to me is just the musicians of Texas that have to me kind of driven a lot of the music culture. Um, obviously we love Pat Green and Willie Nelson and uh, all, all the Texas country guys, but what are some of your favorite musicians that come out of Texas? Oh boy. That's a tough one. Of course you already named a few. There's some big Willie Nelson fan, you know, so I love, love his stuff. I think he's, you know, when you think of Texas music, he's kind of, mm -hmm. he's up there. A hundred percent. Of yeah. course you have like George Strait, um, growing up down in South Texas, he's like, you know, yeah. he is the king. Is it Banderas? No, I think he was, I want to say Pleasanton, Texas. Okay. He's, yeah. It starts with a P. I don't think it was Pearsall. Maybe Pleasanton. It's it's down there. It's where he kind of grew up or, you know, started out. Um, but yeah, those guys. But then you you can like kind of break every region down. Like West Texas, you know, you got Waylon Jennings. You got Joe Ely. Yeah. Um, Roy Orbison is from out yeah. there. You know, Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly from Lubbock. Uh, so, I mean, you've got West Texas kind of has their own little thing going as well. And then we've had some big, you know, superstars, you know, in the pop world too, that have come For out sure. of Texas. Yeah. Um, Beyonce. Beyonce. Um, ZZ Top, one of the yeah. greatest rock bands out there. And, you know, they kind of got that whole thing kicked off and there's Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I about Meatloaf. You know, it's, it's from Dallas, I think. It's, you know, it's, uh, we talk about Texas music. There's a, I grew up obviously nineties, early two thousands, uh, punk band. Um, that I listened to Bowling for Soup, yeah. um, which is funny because I was up at the gin in Prosper and there's this dude that does not look like a Prosper resident. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's the lead singer from Bowling for Soup. Oh, wow. Living yeah, just right Prosper. here. That's cool. You know, it's, you know, the music culture, uh, you know, let's go kind of talk about Viva Big Ben. Uh, heading out there, that was one of the most amazing experiences that I've had as it relates to music getting to go to, not just listen to music but i mean you could look to your right or left and there's other musicians that had just played or that will be playing the next few days that were just sitting there listening to their friends yeah uh songwriters and you know kind of talking about that viva big ben and that songwriting community um 
what's your, I guess, the influence of that, that it's played even on our business or just your love for music? Yeah, I think Texas has done a great job with, you know, we've kind of, you know, a lot of people outside of Texas don't know a lot about what's going on. I think they're, they're finding out, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Texas country music and Americana is definitely is stretching out, you know, cause there's some artists from Texas that can now travel nationwide and yeah. they have, you know, they're selling out shows no matter where they go. But, you know, with the Kerrville Folklife Festival, that was something that was going on like back in the eighties and maybe before, like, you know, it was just where they, people were getting around the campfire and singing and stuff. And it became like a, a big deal for, for that type of music. The Viva Big Bend thing has yeah. been has been huge you know willie nelson's brought something like that t- is luck texas like yeah. the luck you know that's a whole so there's all these little pockets of kind of like little music festivals and stuff but like you said the the viva big ben thing was just it really was fun because i, I can't remember how many musicians there were like 70 or 80 probably yeah they were playing in three different towns and then each town had probably it was like marfa alpine and fort davis and then each place had you know, four or five venues. And then they just had this schedule, right? And some of it overlapped and stuff. And so you'd have to kind of plan out your days and see, okay, we want to go see John Evans. He's playing in Fort Davis, but then we want to get back to see, yeah. you know, Mike and the moon pies. Cause they're playing at <laughs> yeah. Alpine. And so we would schedule out and there's some people we had to like, say, we're just gonna have to miss them. You know, maybe yeah. we've seen them before or something. So we would skip that, but that was really fun. Like you said, you know, we might you know, go see the O's play. We oh man. Playing Alpine. And then we go to the next day and then they're hanging out at a show that, you know, <laughs> right. And they're real accessible too. And you can just like talk to people yeah. and everybody's just like really cool and laid back. And, and that's the, the music culture. You know, the thing I love about that is, I mean, guys like Drew Kennedy, um, yeah, uncle Lucius was there. Uh, just the, it's, it's a music industry, but it, you know, you go maybe Nashville or other locations and it's a competition, you know, people are competing for their, their place to make money. Um, a lot of the musicians that we've met, it's, it's a camaraderie of helping each other, build each other up, sharing, you know, songwriting, uh, lyrics and things. And that's one thing I appreciate about Marfa at Viva Big Ben is seeing the, just the collaborations of musicians. Um, you know, we, a few names, I just want to make sure I say is like Leon Bridges, uh, Charlie Crockett. I don't know if he's actually, uh, he's, I don't know if he's, where he's actually from, but, um, he's definitely been immersed in Texas culture. Yeah, man. His roots here for sure. But um, so with all that, moving over to like apparel, I mean, that's what we do. And, you know, we've kind of mentioned the influences of music and food and travel history on our brand and why we're a proud Texans. But apparel, I mean, to me, that's one of the things that people don't realize is just how many brands that are kind of in our niche that are pretty, pretty awesome that are from the Dallas-Fort Worth area or obviously Austin um, or uh, the kind of the Mecca of fashion. Um, but what are some of your favorite brands that obviously aren't Tumbleweed Textiles? Right. Well, when you put, when you have a state that has whatever we have, 30-something million people here, mm-hmm. you're going to have people that can make great food. You're going to have people that can create great music, you hope. And then you're going <laughs> to have, you know, people, that, you're going to have every, we're the ninth largest uh, economy in the world. Right. So we got stuff going on in the state. No for doubt. Sure. That's why people are moving from California to get here. I know. So like you said, there are some really great brands um, that have come up and that have been around for, for a while. Um, of course, obviously one of my favorites is Howler Brothers. Right. You know, I love, I love their stuff. I think they have a really cool sense of design. And the cool thing about them is they kind of tie in like a surf culture. Right. A laid back kind of like tiki bar surf culture. 
Texas Western flair kind of thing going on. So that, you know, that a lot of those elements are very yeah. appealing to me and, yeah. and things that I like to wear. I'm, I'm a big pearl snap guy. I'm a rope hat guy and they, they do it about as good as anybody. So I like wearing and, their stuff. And I, I respect them because they, uh, I think are true curators of their fashion. Uh, they're not, I mean, I don't know who they copied because there's no one else like them. Whereas right. I think you mentioned earlier, I mean, there's so many other brands that are popping up that like, oh, that's a copycat of maybe us or Howler Brothers or other brands. And so I have a lot of respect for Howler and how they have done what they do. And, you know, one of my favorite stories I read about them was how they gather inspiration for design. And he mentioned uh, from like wall, old vintage wallpaper mm-hmm. was the pattern of one of their shirts. Yeah, and I, cool. I think it's just really cool how their eye for design and they're able to apply it yeah, into they're talented and they're doing, they're doing good things. Yeah. Um, crickets another great brand for sure. And they came out. Maybe, I don't know when they started, but it was maybe a little bit after we came out, but of course they're not, we wouldn't consider them really competitors or anything. Cause they're more kind of in the golf polo kind yeah. of preppy, um, quarter zip yeah. sweaters, things like that. But they, they, they're out of Austin and they do some really good stuff. That's the, that's the brand that what Luke and Owen Wilson rep. One of them does. I think one of the brothers is, yeah. is part owner or something. He has something to, to do with it or investor. So that's cool. But yeah, they got some really cool polo, and that's kind of the old throwback polo. So if you like the old golf shirts from like the the seventies and eighties, kind of with the the multiple buttons and kind of the the collars yeah. that look old school. Yeah. Well, my favorite brands is uh, I always probably butcher the name, but Hari Mari yeah. out out here in Dallas uh-huh. is. I know it's kind of a beachy sandal brand, but to me, it's kind of. Uh, backdoor or a backyard uh dad brand grilling and ha- you know just kind of living in the suburban life but their their sandals are just super comfy and i thought that was amazing that i always thought of them as just a hyper local brand but when we were out at uh martha's vineyard for our annual trip they were selling harimari's out there That's right. and i thought that was pretty cool yeah they're uh and we i guess we first saw them at one of the untapped festivals yeah, they just started and they yeah. were like setting up, you know, giving out stuff and you could buy flip flops. I think I bought a pair for like yeah. 45 bucks or something. For sure. That back then was, you know, kind of cheap. Now it'd be a little bit more expensive. Probably. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, how many celebrities and influencers wear their stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, GQ magazines, you know, cover them. Um, so I think it's amazing to know that they were just sitting there a 10 by 10 tent with us and now they're just have blown up, taken off. Yeah. Brand. Yeah, I mean, you can't talk about Texas brands probably without talking about like Yeti. Oh man, by the yeah, the pinnacle of making it to the top. And not, I mean, just and and all these brands we're talking about, it's not just about the cool products that they create, but they have just nailed it with creating a culture around Texas inspired life, but in their industry. You know, right. yet you mentioned Yeti. I mean, Meat Church reps them, and you know, different uh, fishermen and athletes. It's just cool to see how these products, these brands have become just a everyday part of the Texas lifestyle or hunting lifestyle, camping lifestyle, golf, as you mentioned. Um, and I think some of these brands that are maybe not known or don't, or, you know, you think of Levi's or Ralph Lauren, but I just love the way these Texas brands are um, connecting to people and making something really cool. Uh, with their passion. Yeah, the Yeti, I don't know if you've heard much about those guys, but the kind of the story behind those two brothers, you know, that started yeah. Yeti, it's a really neat, and I've, I actually learned their story kind of on a podcast I listened to, but yeah. you know, I mean, they didn't really, you know, they were just fishermen and they were just looking for a, 
a better cooler of some sort to have in their boat to stand yeah. on to fish on and something that had some grip and it was going to be sturdy and then they it turned in in there i guess their father did like fishing poles or right. fishing rods and stuff and they had some special sealant or something that they yeah. i mean it was just this whole really cool that's cool little thing that they anyway and it's blown up now they sponsor like uh was it austin fc like they're oh uh, yeah like they're on the front of their jerseys and stuff fc dallas if you're listening uh come yeah. to us we would like to do that for you guys yeah um millions that would cost but, but yeah. and you know we've mentioned some of those but another my, uh brand that comes to mind that my wife likes but kendra scott uh out of austin it's mm-hmm. their influence on the jewelry world you know that world uh has been pretty incredible oh yeah my wife and daughter eat that stuff up too for sure but yeah so what other things texas independence day pride love for um all that we do we can talk about drinks let's do it we haven't talked about that really that much um craft beer you, i'm listening well I don't want to get too much into craft beer, but oh, man. you got to talk about Dr. Pepper. Yeah. You talk about uh, Texas drinks for sure. I mean, that's going to be like iconic um, Texas soft drink, I guess you could say. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier my my little trip uh, in, in middle school to the Dr. Pepper Museum. That was kind of my entry into that Texas cult following world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just in South Fort Worth, you just don't think a whole, a whole lot um, about that, uh, except for you go to Cal, you know, uh, uh, Fort Worth and Stockyards. But uh, when we first got Dr. Pepper Museum as a retailer, I thought that was that was like a pretty high pinnacle for our tumbleweed textiles right. success. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Pepper, you know, what's I, you probably could tell it better. You're, you're better at telling stories. The whole history of Dr. Pepper. Oh, um, gosh. like don't put me on the st- on the no on that. oh okay du- is it Dublin Pepper. Dublin Dr Pepper I think was one of the bottling plants or something and they they actually would use I want to say pure cane sugar eventually and they used like the pure cane sugar okay. in their ingredients yeah. up until recently okay I don't know how many years ago they stopped but that was kind of like where you could go and get a Dr Pepper that had that. cane sugar in it and it was supposed to be better well if i remember correctly uh, a gentleman was telling me that actually it worked at the original plant that bootlegging was a big thing like people would drive in from other states and go there to get the original dr pepper and this, i'm talking about this is years oh, and yeah. years ago um but it's just amazing how how is a such a big thing and it's such a texas drink but how i mean it's a, it's a super treat for people all around the country that can recognize that Dr. Pepper brand and you know, just like Shiner or Lone Star Beer, it's truly a Texas iconic staple. Right. Yeah. And I guess the other, and this, it, of course, it's really cool that we were able to do some designs for Dr. Pepper because I mean, that's, you know, as a kid, yeah. you just drink Dr. Pepper when you're in Texas. It just for seems sure. like that's just the way it is. But, you know, Lone Star Beer, Shiner, Pearl, all those are original to yeah. Texas. Yeah. Um, Shiner still brewing in Texas. They still have their main facilities here in Texas. Uh, Lone Star and Pearl. Pearl, um, they tried to bring that back recently. I think that's kind of gone away. Okay. So it's kind of more of a, uh, they were bought by, I want to say Pabst along with uh, Lone Star. Uh, but just a lot of our designs and some of the stuff that we do, whether it's around the honky tonk culture or just the neon signs. Right. Um, some of the ideas that I get, some of the things that I collect, like I love to collect pearl lone star yeah 
beer memorabilia and things. And so I get a lot of design inspiration from them. So you may see some of our shirts that have some sort of uh, ode to either Pearl or Lone Star in a subtle way, even right. Shiner, you know, um, just kind of giving them some props because they're, you know, kind of the original Texas, you know, ones that there was a lot of breweries way back then, but those are kind of three that kind of ended up standing out and, and making it for a while. You know, it's, we, we mentioned Texas culture, people, obviously food, fashion, the, the, all the things we discussed, but just think about how much that's affected even the movie, the, just the movies, Dazed and Confused, you know, um, Urban Cowboy, just certain movies that were out of Texas that really made a major impact on culture across the whole country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I, it's kind of before my time in a sense, because uh, I was born in 83, but Urban Cowboy, I think, came in about that time 1980 i think is when it came out but so you weren't even born no but uh hey i like john travolta you know and we had a great party uh not too long ago at our store and people love that urban cowboy um, party that we threw but like i bet was that kind of like the catalyst across the country of pearl snaps and i definitely think lone star beer that kind of kicked off that whole like what is going on in Texas? Yeah. That is really cool. Like the whole cowboy cool, the the culture. I mean, people in Hollywood started dressing with pearl snaps and like the big hats and then like the Western culture kind of took over. It's a lot similar to very like the, what we're going through now with Yellowstone. Yeah, for like sure. It's kind of like a rebirth of, you know, cowboy culture, ranchers, Western lifestyle. Um, and, you know, they've kind of, they've um, kind of kicked off a couple, had a couple episodes uh, where they were at the Four Sixes Ranch, right, which is in Guthrie, Texas, which is in between here and Lubbock. You know, you drive yeah. through there, and they just bought the steakhouse and the stockyards. Oh dang! And so it's like they're taking over Sheridan, right? It's his name, I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So he, uh, that's kind of a whole nother deal. Where I think, and if they ever do any kind of spinoff that that's set in the at the Four Sixes Ranch, I think I can. And I, I guarantee you, I noticed that after Yellowstone kind of did those episodes where Jimmy went to the Four Six yeah. Ranch, you know, like. All of a sudden, if you get on the four, I started getting ads for like four, six ranch, like hats and yeah. merch and stuff, which I think before, like nobody would have been too interested yeah. in that. It's just like a ranch, a huge ranch that you'd pass through on the way to Lubbock. But now I think it's like gaining traction of like the cool factors. So yeah. it could be something, you know, again, where Texas culture and that Western lifestyle yeah. has an effect on people nationwide. Well, think about Walker, Texas Ranger and oh gosh, n- yeah. not necessarily the effect on fashion, but there's one episode because uh, being in Fort Worth, there, some of those were shot around Granbury, uh-huh. Weatherford, uh, in the stockyards. But uh, there was an episode about a family, uh, a barbecue family, that had a dispute and broke up. And they never said who they were, and I have no clue if it was. But I've always wondered if that was the uh, the the black uh, blacks barbecue down a Lockhart. I don't know, but yeah. um, but talking about that barbecue, that I mean, we, that, you can't talk about texas without thinking about the texas barbecue scene and how that's impacted not just texas but worldwide people travel here just to taste texas barbecue oh yeah and then there's so many i guess people that lived in texas that have moved to other states that have started like texas style yeah barbecue and then things like i know there's a couple places in la that they're from texas and they're doing it the way they cook it in texas which they've never where do we go charles Charleston? Charleston. And uh, what was that place? Uh, Louis Mueller? No. Um, Leroy. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he left to go to, yeah. uh, he left Austin 
and and he pl- started a place up there in in Charleston. But it's it's definitely I think the barbecue culture just just all the hype it's got, and when people come and come down and try it, they're like, holy cow, yeah, this is on a different level, and it's well, just different. I mean, we have. Like, again, we have so many different regions, and so... Well, the thing about... There's two things. Uh, one, we were out when we did our New York trip with our wives. Uh, there was the was it Hill Country... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hill Country Barbecue. Saw Mike and the Moon Pies out there. It was awesome. And uh, it was Texas Barbecue. And I want to say that they were shipping beef out from Blacks to that location for New Yorkers to say they were eating truly Texas Barbecue. I believe... I believe their sausage was being from flown in from Kreitz. Yeah. And Lockhart, which is crazy. So that was, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, seriously, Texas, there's kind of this thing about it. People just, it is, I think it's worldwide. Yeah. You know, there's the this, same about that European this, story. The, the dude, uh, kind of the European shark tank that had reached out to us to do t-shirts because he had a Texas barbecue brand out there. Yeah. Do you remember that? It's, um, but he was shipping in meat from Lockhart all the way out to Europe. Wow. And he is kind of the similar brand uh, restaurant in New York, but out in Europe. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to that point, I, he was promoting our brand out there. Texas Joe's. Texas Joe's. And he's from UT. I, I think he actually went to UT. Yeah. Lived out there. But we've had someone come to our store because they saw him promoting our brand all the way out there in Europe. That's really cool. They flew here for a business trip and actually stopped by our store because of him. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's just incredible. Texas has a huge impact uh, worldwide. I mean, you know, there's always going to be these little ebbs and flows of, of trends and, and stuff. But like, you know, maybe in Japan, like Western is the cool thing. And like anything, Texas is hip and yeah. all that. And then the Urban Cowboy, that whole deal, the Yellowstone thing we're going through now. I really think that, um, you know, Texas is always going to, and of course, the Dallas Cowboys, they're America's team. So there's going to be people <laughs> that are all over the country that like the Cowboys yep. just because of that. Or that they have that that kind of mystique of cowboys. Everything's bigger in Texas, you yeah. know. It's Western, you know. It's, For it's sure, cool. And so it's it's fun to to be from here and and be able to. That's that's, that's just goes goes back to the whole pride thing. I mean, it's just like we have really kind of some true culture that Texas owns, and that we kind of you know own alone, yeah. I guess. And so that's what kind of makes Texas unique. And I think that was definitely why we started this company. Um, and had kind of that in mind uh, to kind of play off that and 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 use Texas pride um, as a as a niche that we want yeah. to dive into, which leads to us leads us to March second. And for the last ten years, we've celebrated our March second Texas Independence Day. And it's not about the aggression and the guns and necessarily the cannons. It's to me, us celebrating the the culture, the life that we just laid out in this podcast episode. Um, I know uh, we're running out of time, but I just want to quickly highlight a few of our favorite memories. I mean, right now, at least around Texas, like everyone it seems like every brand and who knows who's throwing a concert on March 2nd. But eight years ago, I don't remember anyone outside of us really celebrating this day. Um, what's some of your favorite memories that we've had as Tumbleweed Textiles on our March 2nd? Wow. Well, our my first big memory was this was crazy, but we were invited by Tamron Hall. Mm. Tamron Hall sure. from MSNBC. Um, they caught wind of our brand and they wanted to have us on for Texas Independence Day. So yeah, for sure. Brian and I got on a plane <laughs> yeah. on like March the first or it would, it would have been the day before March second. So we're gonna fly up. Yeah. We get 
two thirds of the way to New York. We're like so pumped. We're gonna like we're gonna be on set <laughs> yeah. with Tamron Hall. This yeah. is so awesome. And she's a Texan, by the way. That's why she wanted us. So we're gonna be on MSNBC National. I mean, it was gonna be awesome. Yeah. We get two thirds of the way, and they're like, um, "There's way too much snow and ice <laughs> yeah. on the runway at LaGuardia. We are turning the plane around." Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> like we, we turned that plane around. We landed back in Dallas. And we're like, oh man, this we're, is terrible. We were trying to pay for uh, internet, trying to we we're trying to figure out how we we're going to resolve this issue. Yeah. So anyway, the, the PR girl at the time, she was able to arrange something. So we were able to we were able to meet with Tela via via like a telemonitor type of situation <laughs> with Tamron Hall. So we didn't actually get to physically meet her. We sat in some little uh, room about like this with a camera on us with the earplug, and we. We couldn't really see her and she could, yeah. we could just hear her and it was, it was weird. But anyway, we got to meet with Tamara Hall. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. Um, we also did some spots with um, WFAA. For sure. Channel yeah. eight here locally. I guess two years in a row, we mm -hmm. were able to do their uh, kind of their good morning, Texas yeah. type of situation thing. That's uh, uh, Colleen Coyle. If you remember her, right. the weather lady there, meteorologist uh, was a, a mentor to one of my students and so she opened that door to get us in there which was an incredible opportunity so that was a fun yeah. those were fun just kind of being able to share our brand locally to yeah. the local folks on march uh, 2nd and kind of really play that up we had a fun night one night at the rustic that's that's one of my favorite memories that was a fun it was a, i just remember it being a beautiful beautiful day yeah and it was a really nice cool kind of evening and they had i can't remember who was playing but they had some really good music uh, and we were just kind of yeah. Hanging out there on the on the grass and had a couple shirts for sale yeah. and people were just and I think, super fun. I think our there. friend Tori was there. Um, Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah. She was there. Um, yeah, and and then of course one of my favorites was last year. Yeah, through a big year. old celebration over at uh, the local rail yard with uh, John Bauman and mm -hmm. live music, great drinks from TX Whiskey. Johnny uh, Fred played. Johnny too. Fred, yeah. And uh our local Melody of Hope had an artist as well. So it's you know, we've been celebrating hard, a lot of fun, and uh, we talk about all the influences of the Texas culture, and there's a little bit of my selfishness that believes that we've helped enhance the March 2nd day to see the impact of, you know, how many other brands and restaurants and bars and concerts are now taking place, I think, because people have seen us hype that day up yeah. over the last 10 years. I take the day off from school usually. <laughs> That's how much yeah. I hype it up. I take that day off. The first day they let us do absences, like in J uh, July, I always put in for March 2nd. <laughs> You're sick so, those days? Yeah, I'm no. kind of sick. But, um, but yeah, man, Tumbleweed Textiles would not be what it is if it wasn't for the culture of Texas. Um, and I'm just thankful for you, Jeb, obviously having an immense amount, uh, immense amounts of, amount of knowledge, but just the ability for you to have traveled in so many places, lived in so many places. It's amazing how God kind of used those experience experiences to create our art, which has allowed us to be uh, maybe a small part of, you know, maybe some other podcast one day is talking about that Tumbleweed Textiles brand. Yeah, right on. That would be really cool. But yeah, so we always do a big sale on March 2nd too. So if you're listening to this when it drops, yeah. check out our website. We'll probably have some good deals for you or something. And then I know we're going to do some stuff in store yeah. uh, on March 2nd. So if you uh, get a hold of this early, we'll yeah. be hyping it up. But uh, we'll probably have some some drinks, possibly some little bites of food, some music, stuff like that. Yeah. So have a good time. It'll be fun. We'll just celebrate Texas, all the great things about it. Uh, like we mentioned, there's so many things that are cool about the state that we love. Um, and so. If you don't do anything else, you know, pop open a cold uh, Dr. Pepper, 
get you some barbecue, get you a taco, something like that, or yeah. get you a Lone Star, uh, make you feel a little bit more Texan. And uh, for all you newcomers to Texas, welcome. And uh, if you really want to immerse yourself in Texas, celebrate that Texas Independence Day with us. Yeah. Or Tex just at your house. Texas forever, y'all. Texas forever. Y'all have a great day. Thank y'all.